0: At the church where I pastored in Gainesville, we had a small group called Agnostics Anonymous. The name was a joke. Well, the anonymous part was. They were very much agnostics or atheists. But everyone knew. They were very public about their beliefs and often reminded us if it felt like things were getting a little too religious at church. It had been that way since long before I had gotten there and it seemed to work for everyone. So so I was surprised when the group sent an email to the pastoral team and said they had some concerns and they'd like to sit down with us and they wanted to make sure I was there. I was surprised by their email and afraid and maybe a little upset. I I started to argue with them in my head. What could they possibly want and, and why me? I was still pretty new to the congregation and, I knew I had a bit of a reputation for being into God and Jesus. I was kind of religious. So I started making assumptions about what their concerns might be. I started planning my responses. And then I started guessing what their responses might be to those responses. And I came up with my rejoinders. I started digging in preparing to defend my position. I staked out my territory and got ready to draw a line in the sand. This was a church and I was a minister and certain things were non-negotiable, essential. I would not be moved. The night before the meeting, I barely slept. And when it came time, the next day, I had to force myself out of my office and down the hall. My heart was pounding. The hand that held the notebook where all my positions were written down was shaking uncontrollably. I sat down across from them at the table, ready to stand my ground, ready to give it to them. And instead, one of my colleagues started with an open question about how they were feeling and why they'd wanted to call the meeting. And rather than launch into their arguments or talking points, they shared just that, how they were feeling, which was a little afraid, they admitted. They wanted to make sure that there was still room for them in this community that meant so much. They wanted to be acknowledged. They wanted to know that they were welcome to hear that they belonged, just like everyone else. And as they shared and as i listened i stopped digging in i stopped rehearsing my points and mentally crossed out most of what was written on that notebook i let go of the baggage that i had brought into that meeting and i just heard them out and when it was my turn to speak i tried to be as open as they had been to share my own desire for belonging in this place that had been theirs for so long and where I was brand new. And they said, that's what they, why they wanted me there at the meeting because they wanted to get to know me. They were curious about me. They wanted to hear what I had to say. And instead of sitting on each side of the table, refusing to be moved, we did move toward one another, toward understanding. And though this is not how they would have put it from my point of view, a step or two closer to God. Recently, a friend sent a devotion by the Franciscan priest, Richard Rohr, whom I love. I'll confess that I don't always read devotions that people forward to me, but I read this one and it reminded me of that meeting. Rohr wrote, we must avoid the temptation to become our own defended camp. Rather than dig in and get entrenched in positions and ideas and ways of doing things, he said we have to remain movable, like like the tent of meeting that the Israelites constructed in the wilderness after they had escaped slavery, the one that they carried with them all the way until they finally got to the promised land, the tent of meeting that we have an itemized inventory of here in our scripture. It might seem strange to find what amounts to a packing list in the Bible. It might seem even stranger that I chose to have it as our scripture this morning that you had to sit through listening to it. These boring lists, and it's okay, we can call it what it is, boring list. (laughs) These lists are the reason why I never got past the book of Numbers in my attempts to read the Bible uh, front to back as a kid. But as an adult, the boring stuff, or maybe as a preacher, I guess, the boring stuff seems like some of the most important. Not the beautiful stories or the lofty wisdom, but the mundane details about how life is structured for the people of God. Who carries what and what there is to carry. Having a packing list as scripture means it becomes a sacred obligation not to take on any extra baggage. Knowing just what families will carry just which items, you can't bring more than the Gershonites and the Merarites can manage. Actually, there's a part about the Kohathites too, but I decided to spare you another paragraph. Needing to keep all of your holy things in a tent of a certain size and haul it all across the desert for years means you have to pare down to just the essentials. As Rohr writes, even though this tent is foldable, movable, disposable, it is still a meeting place for the holy, which is always on the move and out in front of us. I love that. But I think his own logic means we should amend it from, from even though to because this tent is foldable, movable, disposable, it is a meeting place for the holy, Because the packing list is pared down to the essentials, there's nothing to distract us from the presence of God. Because the tent moves from place to place to place, the people don't get dug in and forget that God can be anywhere at all. Because their scriptures contain this boring inventory, they know that the God they worship is a God on the move, a God who doesn't get bogged down a God who doesn't settle down, who doesn't get stuck in one set of ideas, who can't be captured in one theology. They worship a God who keeps them nimble. On a backpacking trip in the Great Smoky Mountains, I came across a woman who was hiking south along the Appalachian Trail. She had just started at the North Carolina border, but she was planning to make it all the way down to Georgia, to the trailhead on Springer Mountain hundreds of miles. She came into the shelter where my friend and I were set up for the night and offered us gorp from this big plastic canister. Take as much as you want, she told us. I'm trying to get rid of it. It's too heavy. Actually, I left a whole other canister on the trail a few miles back. I I couldn't carry it any further. You can take it tomorrow if, if no one else gets to it. Like a lot of people who set out on the AT, she had started with way too much. And the demands of the trail were winnowing down her belongings to something manageable, something carryable. It meant that eventually she'd have to stop, to rest, to resupply. She wouldn't be as self-sufficient as she'd imagined, but it was the only way to keep moving. The next day we found her canister and picked it up. It was very heavy, but we only had another 15 miles or so to go. You can carry a lot if you're not planning to go far, but if you need to cover any distance, you have to travel lightly. The God who liberates us, who is always out ahead of us, beckoning us into the wilderness, to to follow that God, we have to travel lightly. We have to shed the things that hold us down, the things that keep us stuck in one place. We have to release that baggage and journey in haste and take only what we can carry. That's part of the way that the God who liberates us, liberates us, gradually helping us release everything that is not essential. Over the course of this theme, the house that Bethany built, we've talked a lot about our building as a metaphor, but hopefully we've kept it as a metaphor. God isn't in our building or our furniture or our, our candlesticks or our communion ware, or at least God isn't just in those things. God is still the one out front letting us carry only what is foldable, movable, what is ultimately disposable. Having moved things around in this space for the last eight months, as we've looked for new ways and corners to do ministry in, I will tell you that the Germans who built the furniture in this building did not intend for it to be moved. Everything is at least twice as heavy as it looks. You wouldn't want to have to carry it through the desert. You wouldn't want to have to carry it to Montrose. We wouldn't get very far on our faith journey, bringing it all along. But fortunately, I I think you all already understand that. If we didn't already know that about you, the last eight months have shown you're nimble people, Bethany. Flexible, open, adaptable. When I start to tell people about the 125 year old congregation that I get to co pastor, they often get this look like they know what I'm going to say next. A church that is stuck. A church with certain entrenched ways of doing things. A church that stays hunkered down within its walls. Whenever I see that look in someone's eyes, I'm quick to say it's not what you think. It's good, really good. They're open to change, they're on the move. And even if you've only been here since August, this is you too. In four months, you've probably experienced 10 different ways of worshiping with us. And you're still here, that says a lot. It says that the house that Bethany built, the house that we're building together is one that wants to follow the God of liberating love wherever that love goes. To keep chasing after the God who is always on the move out in front of us, showing us something new, teaching us something we don't already know. As your pastor, I will try to remember that. It's a lesson I've had to learn before when after that meeting, those non-anonymous agnostics let me be their pastor. I did some of my best ministry with them. They signed up for all my Bible studies. They helped start a speaker series at the church. They kept things lively because they weren't afraid to ask questions. They weren't stuck in certainties. They weren't carrying as much theological baggage as I was, or they were carrying different theological baggage. And I grew more in my faith being their pastor than by caring for the folks who were Christian like me. Because they could point to the things that I was carrying The ideas, the ways of doing things, the places I was dug in or weighed down, and they could ask with genuine curiosity, do you need that? What's what's it for? What does it do? Is it essential? And I'd look at whatever it was that I was holding and feel its weight and realize suddenly, no. No. They helped liberate me from so much heavy furniture I was lugging through the wilderness. And every piece I set down brought me a little closer to the God who is always one step ahead, motioning me to catch up.